Hi, and welcome to the We Should Be in the Kitchen podcast, a podcast where my friend Liz and I talk about all of the things we usually talk about at our weekly Sunday lunch. Which hasn't happened in a long time because of the shelter-in-place stuff. Quarantine sucks. It's not quarantine, it's shelter-in-place. We are not quarantined. Have you seen the movie Quarantined? No, but finish the intro. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going to talk about stuff today and <laughs> the hilarity of day-to-day life. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we are going to talk about Liz's dog because I took the cutest picture yeah, of Liz's dog. Yeah, my anyway, dog, Romy. Pull up the seat. Here we go, Here we go, people. <laughs> Here we go. We're rusty. Dude, so much. It's been a while. It's been a long time. It's okay, though. Yeah. We still text a lot. <laughs> we had a socially distant Easter dinner together. It doesn't really matter how socially distant, though, at one of Liz's family things, because at the end, her niece comes around and hugs and kisses everyone, so yeah. y'all were all infected. <laughs> uh, she's so great. Yeah, that was really nice, by the way. Liz's family invited us over. Yeah. And that was good. And we had a Easter egg hunt, and Sarah took some really great pictures of Nessie. She's pretty cute. Yeah. It'd be hard to take bad pictures of Nessie. Is it, though? <laughs> I don't know. She does side-eye a lot. Okay, but so do you. She's she's Liz's twin, actually, in, <laughs> in both personality um, and no. looks. No, 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 no. She is an extrovert. I am an introvert to, the, like, the, the core of That's me. That's true. So she is not the exact clone. We don't know where the extrovertedness came from because neither Michelle's parents and brother are extroverted, nor are my parents and brother extroverted, so... Recessive genes? Recessive personality things? I don't know if recessive personalities work. <laughs> That's true. Other, but she does side-eye. Yes. Yeah. I know. She, she loves Matt. She loves Matt. That's a thing. Oh, my gosh. When she woke up from her nap, she was like, Matt's here. <laughs> like, what am I? Sitting right next to him. Same with you. It used to be me. Yeah. The novelty has worn off. I, yeah. That's, That's okay. what happens. So Matt was laid off. Yeah. Which, womp womp. I mean, you know. <laughs> you just, part- like, went into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my mind. Yes, it is. <laughs> because blessed are the souls who are still working while they have spouses who have been laid off. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my goodness. Liz. Matt's home a lot. <laughs> okay, so we went from Matt working, like, 12 to 14 hours every day to Matt being home. And I have to work at home. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Who is this man that I married? Um, yeah, Matt's a really hard worker, but then when there's no work, it's not even like his job gives him the option to work from home. So he's just like working on projects. But the other day, pretty, no, yesterday, I was like, I might. What day is it? I might kill him. Um, it's Tuesday today. Yesterday I said something to Matt about doing something. He goes, well, I'm going to exercise and then I'm going to have hobby time. <laughs> and I felt like the rage well up in me. I was like, oh. I wonder what hobbies are like. Because I'm currently working two jobs. Yeah. I, I took a busy. Well, I took a second job not realizing how busy my first well, job would get. You took, yeah, you took a second job before all of this went down in the world. Yes. And when you're a communications Actually, like, person. the week of. The week before. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. It's good. I like my second job. That's good. Yeah. Well, it's it's so funny. In my neighborhood, sheltering in place isn't a thing. Social distancing is not a thing. We we before we started recording this, the (laughs) the ice cream lady came by, the snack truck lady came by. There's a birthday party going on. There's a birthday party happening. It's just, it's it's been hard. It's been a hard season. And um, my coworker Amanda and I, we've been, you know, going around visiting homes of our um, families of uh, our students and you know keeping our distance whatever but almost every parent is just saying can you take my kids with you <laughs> they need to get out of the house before they drive me crazy and so yeah it's just been hard dude yeah parents who are like staying at home with their kids and they don't have anything to do yeah you can't take them places yeah I mean I don't have kids I just have dogs and they still get walks and so you know we're fine but my parent friends, I'm worried about them. Check on your parent friends. Yeah. It's a it's a tough it's life a out there. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Who would have thought? This is how... 2020 has not been kind. I remember no. you and I sat down at the end of 2019 and said, 2020 has to be better. 
It can't possibly get worse. Yeah, we need to unplug it and plug it back in and see if it'll work. <laughs> Reboot it. <laughs> it is not working on a lot of fronts. Yeah. This has been it's just been interesting. Yeah. Um, it's unprecedented. It's so weird. So Matt and I, um, we've been watching like late night shows, so like Jimmy Fallon and mm-hmm. Sue Colbert. Sue Colbert's like if I could pick anyone in the world to have lunch with. Really? That's who I would pick. Yeah, I just love him. You wouldn't pick like Rob Bell. I really like Rob Bell. But I really like Steve Colbert. Yeah, I've always just sort of had a thing. Like, like Steve Colbert, he's funny, but he's so wise. It's so mm-hmm. he, His story's really interesting. Um, but we've been watching some of the late shows, and there's no audience. So they're telling these jokes, and there's, like, no laugh track. <laughs> and it's hilarious. But then we watched SNL the other night. Oh, yeah, and Tom Hanks is on it, right? Tom Hanks. <laughs> he's the host. He's, like, the celebrity poster boy for coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I looked at Matt and I said, remember this moment, because this is one of those moments that they are going to talk about forever. Like New Year's next year, mm-hmm. the the word of the year, the phrase of the year is going to be social distance. Yeah. It's going to be a whole thing. And this mm-hmm. is going to be a, a very historical moment. And so as much as, it, I mean, it sucks and it's terrible and I'm not trying to make light of, um, you know, lots of people have died and it's, it's. There's a lot people, of loss around this time. And people yeah. are out of work. Yeah. Um, who aren't doing okay. Like, we're fine, um, but who don't have jobs, and, and it's terrible. I'm not trying to make light of it. But I do think it's... Um, we're experiencing this collective trauma. And the last time I remember this happening was, like, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that it's a good thing, but there are these moments where we can look back that we sort of all um, are in survival mode. Yeah. And I think in some ways it's easier to have empathy for each other because we realize like this is something that we're all going through and maybe handling different, not that there aren't pockets of judgment and whatever, but, but it's just interesting to see the way a lot of people have left space for the way other people are sort of handling this and dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've been talking um, where I work about even the phrase social distancing Mm -hmm. and how that's really leading to isolation of people because you know that means like I'm not talking to people but really we're wanting to physically distance from people right for you know six feet whatever um but socially engage we need to remember you know like you said check on those (laughs) friends who have kids like check on them you know check on your single friends check on the elderly check on um you know your missionaries who live around the world like how are they really doing? Yeah. Like, like, and really checking in with people. With my job and even where my sister-in-law works at the preschool, we've gotten into the habit of writing notes to kids. And we, you know, we walked around today and even this uh, this evening when I was getting stuff out of my car, one of the kids was like, "I got a note in the mail from Aww. one of our volunteers," and he's like, "I've never gotten a piece of mail before." Right. And this kid's in like a freshman in high school. Right. Never gotten a piece of mail, so that's been kind of special, you know. As much as we are collectively going through this grief and through this loss there's also these little sparks of like that's kind of cool like yeah well even um like our spanish pastor today we were in our um zoom staff meeting which y'all i have zoom fatigue so bad (laughs) i am so tired of zooming i have at least three zoom meetings tomorrow yeah i have six more this week so i am and and two of them last two hours each so i am not not sure what i'm gonna do um but he was saying, he's like, yeah, I Zoomed for the first time with my family who lives out of the country. And it was, you know, my brother and sister of my parents and this and that. And it's, you know, it's not like this technology's new. Yeah. But it is, you know, we have the time. We mm-hmm. don't really have any excuses. And I think that that social distance, even though it should be called physical distance, um, is compelling people to reach out in ways that they haven't been before. And so, yeah. you know, if... <sighs> It's hard, again, not to make light of things, but, but trying to find some um, positives. Some of that silver lining in some of this, you know. Right, right. Um, I think it's really healthy yeah. and good. But, yeah, there are a lot of things that, that um, you know, maybe our normal wasn't great. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've talked about that. Amanda and I have talked about that. Our pace of life tends to be really fast where we're going from, program to program to project to project to season to season to fundraiser to fundraiser and this has really been I mean everything that we were doing we were planning for summer at the beginning of March and everything that we were doing everything we were planning came to an abrupt sudden halt yeah um, and how it's been nice to be able to take time to do the things that we're doing even to take time I mean she and I 
last week walked like seven miles around our neighborhood. Right. Um, you know, to meet with parents or talk with parents or call families. Yeah. And how it's While just, maintaining social distance. Obviously. You're being safe. Yes, we're all being safe. Um, and just how that this pace has been really nice. Yeah. And how even when things go back to quote unquote normal, um, we have to remember not to just add something to our plate for the sake of filling time. But remember that some of those spaces are for us to breathe. Yeah. And to allow kind of the interruptions of our day to be the focus of the day, kind of. You know, have students and families and neighborhoods and communities. That's really what our focus needs to be, not just another thing to add to my checklist. Right. I've tried to practice that for a while. And so um, even before all of this, one thing, and I don't know not to bring up my Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram too. And it would be very easy for me to fill up my whole schedule just doing things for other people. Um, So sometimes people are upset at me because I will say I can't hang out. And I don't have a good reason other than I just need to sit at home or read a book or, um, you know, creating those boundaries has been um, good and have served me really well. It's sort of interesting to see my friends realize how important that is. You know, I've even had a few friends who get frustrated with me for not hanging out with them as much or whatever, Mm -hmm. who are kind of like, oh, like I kind of get now why you hold some space for yourself because now that I am not running I realize how much space I've lacked and of course now everybody's like less space please like we have enough space please let us go back to normal um but again that's like one of those positive things Mm -hmm. it's a little Mr. Rogers to be like look for the helpers um (laughs) you know one thing I think is is I've seen a lot of people be compelled to be helpers which is nice I have friends making masks. I have... Yeah. Um, Eugene Cho, I listened to. He did an interview with somebody on... I think it might have been Jen Hatmaker about his new book, which is coming out or came out. It just came out. It just came out. Um, And she had said that quote about, you know, Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers in times of crisis. And he actually pushed back and said, you know, at some point, we need to be compelled to be the helpers. Right. We can't just continue looking for other people to be the helpers. Yeah. And I think during this time, we have seen that come on come alive like you said you know people making masks even mowing neighbors lawns you know people who are sick because you know there's still other sickness going around not just this um coronavirus um and really you know elderly people picking up groceries for the elderly um you know i think that's been really cool to see and you know we're discovering that we no matter who we are or where we live or what what even our skill set is we can be helpers well, and that's, that's, really cool. that's kind of a difference between this situation and a situation like 9-11, where the, right. the trauma is still collective and sort of the same, but the mobilization of people is different. And yeah. so, you know, when 9-11 happened, I think part of what kept people afraid for so long was that they couldn't do anything. Yeah. You know, it was absolute helplessness. You know, we, we can't fix this. We're not in New York, so we can't assist survivors. Like, we can send money, but sending money... I have so many opinions about yeah. <laughs> that. I, I mean, I money too. money makes the world go round, and, and you should contribute to uh, people who are doing good work, but it takes five minutes, and then now what? Um, yeah. So the nice thing about this is, yeah, people can actually, like, deliver groceries if they're healthy. They are making masks. Yeah. They are. But I think this situation started out without that, though. You know, we were told oh. a lot of what we could not do. Do not go outside. Yeah. Do not Absolutely. touch this. Do not do this. And it kind of took the creatives in our culture to say, yeah. Hey, but I have all this material at home and like a sewing machine. Like I could make masks since the hospital doesn't seem to have any or just for normal people to go into a grocery store. Right. And it's like all of a sudden it went like, oh, wait, you can do that. Well, hey, wait, I, you know, I'm healthy right. and my grandma is 80. I can go buy her groceries. Like, right. you know, and, and so all of a sudden it became, it's become these little movements, which has been really neat to see. I think I said this on a, another podcast, but I listened to the Craig Rochelle leadership podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got some really good leadership tips. It, I don't like listening to his preaching or whatever, but, but you know, his podcast yeah. is good enough. Um, and one of the things he says is that there's... And forgive me because this is a bit of a circle. But he talks about how churches that have a lot of resources sometimes lack in creativity mm. because they're able to just buy whatever they need. So they don't have to, like, exercise those muscles of how to be creative. Um, but in situations where you actually draw boundaries it pushes people out of their creative boxes. Yeah. And so I think that you're sort of seeing that in this situation where, you know, we were given all of these boundaries 
And people are kind of going, well, wait a second. Like, yeah, I can't do this and this, but this is what I can do. And these are the resources I do have. And this is how I can help. And this is my small area where I can serve. And so sometimes having all of those restrictions is actually what propels people into Mm -hmm. um, being able to be more creative. And so you're sort of seeing that in the situation where, um, like, y'all are sending out notes yeah. to kids you wouldn't have done that if it no, wasn't for the situation because we would we see them yeah, why would i them. send them a note but it's it was funny because we had to like figure out their real addresses because some of our yeah. paperwork even from six months ago they've moved twice right oh man like how do we how do we find how do we track down kids so that's been really neat to see too just you know how you know families are coming together in that way you know i can ask so-and-so where his friend lives and then go there and oh, a different friend lives like okay but I'm looking for this kid and you know just yeah. seeing how the network has has gone around um yeah it's, we talked about this a little bit last night on my zoom meeting <laughs> <laughs> talk about zoom fatigue um just about how this time has also given us almost this freedom to fail at things mm. like to try something and you know in being a helper or yeah. whatever and it's okay almost to fail at it yeah because first of all we have the time to you know, sometimes we have these things that we want to be doing, but we never seem to have the time to do it. Right. It's like all of a sudden, a lot of us have have time to pursue whatever this may be, um, and even if it doesn't go well, what a good use of this time. Yeah. You know. You know. And so well, the stakes aren't very high. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, especially when it comes to things like ministry, mm-hmm. you know, the stakes always feel high because you're talking about souls and you're talking about loving neighbors and you're talking about and and we've talked about this before, but there's sort of that theology that we grew up with that, you know, if you don't share Jesus with these people right this second or blah, 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 then they might go to hell forever. And I think there's something about that that's stuck in us yeah. where we go, if we, if we make a mistake, like their salvation is contingent on us when that's completely yeah untrue. Um, so even like trying with this note writing, yeah is, I mean, it could, we, a lot of us just sent them out like today or yesterday or, or um, last week. Um, we haven't gotten any returned yet. They're all going to come to my work um, if it's like the wrong address <laughs> yeah. or whatever but if it totally fails what did I lose right <laughs> I lost 10 minutes of writing notes to kids like sure okay. like your time not that it's not valuable but you have a little extra time right now right. to to be creative and do those the things. cost of stamps yeah. I mean that's what I lost out of this whole thing was like a cost of stamps and we need to you know support the United States Postal Service so it doesn't yeah. get shut down right so and they have really fun stamps right now do I, have, they? I got Scooby-Doo ones <gasps> Hot Wheels and Sesame Street and nice. one and dragons, dragons, whatever dragons. Dra- there you go. Hard days, hard days. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's good thing. Yeah, people. I I think for the most part are rallying around. You even see um, like people sharing their toilet paper. Which, gosh, of all the things, of all the things, guys, to hoard. <laughs> Have you ever played that game Spoons? Yeah, that's exactly what this is. So a couple people started hoarding toilet paper because they were afraid. And then we go, they're hoarding toilet paper. And if we don't hoard toilet paper, then, you know, we're not going to have any. So everyone like jumps on the toilet paper and it's, here's the thing. Like, let's be real honest. If I don't want germs to spread, I want everyone to have access to toilet paper. (laughs) Right. Like y'all. Exactly. Chill on the toilet paper. Although I will say, so six months ago, we got a bidet. (laughs) And Matt is like booyah like we were prepared for this mind you not to go into too much detail it's a cold water one so it's not real comfortable um a friend just got one well a new coworker. she said like it's like a heated toilet seat and the water comes wow. out warm like that's some special stuff but you know matt's like yeah we'll always be okay but your parents actually gave us some toilet paper. Yeah. Which was so nice. My um, parents didn't hoard toilet paper. Just No. They know, just had. They had. They, they shopped at Costco. They had about half of a Costco thing left. And then they had purchased a new one, again, like a week before this all went down. And they've actually been giving quite a bit of it away just to right. people around. So, um, yeah, they've given me some. <laughs> like, That's kind of them. I need some. But yeah. Even I had a student whose family needed some. Yeah like two weeks ago when you just could not find any you've um, and you've we, been able to sort of meet some good yeah. needs in your neighborhood yeah so um that family you know they need toilet paper and i called my mom and she's like oh my gosh come and grab some for that family yeah um we have a, a a teenager who just had a baby not that long ago and she could not find the formula that she needed yeah um anywhere on the east side of town um and so i was going to target anyway and so i had picked her up some it's been really fun. I mean, we've delivered some just boxes of 
you know, dried foods, dried yeah. goods, um, canned beans, that kind of stuff. And it's been nice, again, just to talk with parents and families, check in on them, making sure that, yeah. you know, everyone's safe and healthy. Yeah. Um, a pastor friend of mine was sharing in a meeting today that um, there was a family in, could have been Ecuador? No. Guatemala? Guatemala. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. But I'm maybe guessing that that's... Maybe it's Guatemala. I don't remember. I'm terrible at... Guatemala. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know why I had Ecuador in my head for some reason. Like, that's not right. I only know that because I saw a post he had today. And it oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying that there was uh, there were 15 families who were, like, starving. Um, Guatemala shut down mm-hmm. just like we are. And a local missionary heard, like, they didn't have food. And so he asked his church to donate. It's, like, $200 a week to feed 15 families, like, rice yeah. and beans. Um, and he raised, like, $4,000. Plus other people now are... Yeah. Um, Donating. And so, again, like, the situation is bad, but you do see um, good things happening. One thing that um, we've talked about that I sort of wanted to talk a little bit about is uh, kind of how we treat, this might sound like a stark um, segue, but I don't think it is, like, how we treat poor people. Hmm. I think right now it's maybe a little different, but we've talked before about how people do things like donate expired food to... yeah. Food pantries. Ooh. I see that pile over there. Uh-huh. That's like stuff I went through. Someone had donated to me, and I was like, oh, this is all expired. Yeah. So <laughs> and I didn't want to put it in the stuff we were giving away. So a lot of this, because so many people now are in, are in situations where, you know, maybe they had jobs, maybe they had whatever, and now have, have lost them. I always wonder if it, it will create more of an empathy um, for the poor because we realize how close we all are. Mm-hmm. to losing yeah. everything. Um, but I don't know why. Like, the, the expired food in the food pantry thing bugs me. Yeah. There's something about it that I think... I think it represents um, some ideas about poor people that I don't agree with. I mean, part of it is I grew up poor. And so um, I'm hyper aware, I think, of the ways that people can sometimes be like, well, they should just take whatever they can get. Um I mean, anything is better than nothing, right? You literally hear that yeah. from people. Um, but how do we apply human dignity? Yeah. Like, how do, how do we make sure that we um, help people who are struggling in a way that maintains their dignity? Because I think as Christians, it's really important to make sure, um, especially if you say you're pro-life. Yeah. There's something about not reducing the dignity of people or not dehumanizing people. Um for the sake of recognizing their value as humans. I mean, that's besides the, like, very obvious biblical principles about, like, treating the poor. Well, and I think, too, it just goes back to um, remembering and realizing that whether you are rich or poor, whether you live on the east side or the west side, whatever, um, you're made in the image of God. We're all image bearers. That's That's a really churchy term, but, like, we all, God made us all um, specifically, and we all mirror him right. you know, in our lives. Um, and so when you kind of when you add that element into what, what you're giving or who you're giving to or whatever, it changes things because, you know, I'm not just giving this to a poor person. I'm giving this to someone who, rep- who, who just by being here, mm-hmm. you know, represents God. And that, I don't know, that it, yeah. makes it, it just makes you think a little bit more like, so if I were to give someone who's a child of God some canned food, would I give him the expired can of yams? Right. Or, you know, or, yeah. and so it's, all of a sudden it's like, no, you know, I wouldn't. I would want to give them, you know, a brother or sister in Christ. I want to give them something, something that's usable, something that I would use, you know, right. something that, that's, that's you, you that I would enjoy using or enjoy eating or... Right, or what if it's unsafe? Enjoy receiving, exactly. You know, yeah. what if it's unsafe and it's not just, you know, because I, I can... Okay, I'm a germaphobe. So, like, even if the milk is within a couple of days, I'm like... Oh. I know, my milk in my fridge is, like, three days expired, and I'm like, people say, it's good for seven days afterwards, and I'm just like, nope. Nope, no, there's there's some things that I won't do. So there are people who, you know, if, if a canned food was expired by three months, they're like, I'll still eat it. Yeah. And so I'll donate it. I'm just not that person... Right. So I do yeah. think there's a spirit behind it, too. I don't think it's an automatic, you know. Yeah. Like, um, somebody posted on Twitter the other day. It was like, um, this was, I sent I sent my husband to my mom's house for a spice, and he came back with this, and the expiration date for the spice was, like, 1974. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, my grandma would have totally been one of those people. But it's interesting. It, it brought me back to a lesson. Um, one of our youth leaders. So in high school, we went on a mission trip to San Francisco. We live about, what, an hour and a half, two hours? Yeah. From San Francisco. Half, yeah. I mean, it's three hours now because of traffic. Traffic's always bad getting there. But, you know, if you're you driving. take BART. <laughs> we do take BART sometimes. Um but we were going on the San Francisco mission trip, and part of our job was we were going to um, volunteer at the AIDS Food Bank, which the AIDS Food Bank in San Francisco is so legit. Like, the way they do it is really awesome. Um, people come in, and they have a little list, and they can check off, like, so many things on the list. And you actually walk around. It's set up like a store. That's cool. And you, like, grocery shop. Mm-hmm. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite places to serve um, in the city. And so, so we have this meeting and before we get there, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be a dinner meeting, blah, blah, blah. Um, but also we need you guys to each bring two cans of food to donate, um, to the food bank, which, you know, that seems perfectly reasonable. So we get there with our canned food and they go, well, actually y'all can put your canned food together and that's what you're going to have for dinner. Hmm. And it was like one pot and like one can opener. And there were probably 25 or 30 of us. Um, and it was like six bowls and two spoons. And it was like, this is your dinner. This is how you have to figure it out. And I've never forgotten that lesson. One, because I brought like green beans and hominy. <laughs> because, you know. I see. I like hominy. Okay. It's I good in pozole. It's good. Hominy's just things. big corn, right? Basically. Okay. Yeah. I, but I didn't know what it was. Um, I just grabbed whatever out of my grandma's pantry, yeah. um, the people who brought like chili, we were like, yeah, oh my gosh. Like, cause we all had to share and, and try to make something out of it. Of course it didn't work. And they ended up you know, serving us pizza at the end, but real poor people don't get pizza at the end. Right. Like, like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And it, but it, it really changed the way that I view, um, how we treat the poor, assuming that they might have resources that they don't have. Um, giving not the best things to make a meal, but yeah. whatever. Like, what's someone going to do with, like, a can of green beans and a can of corn? I mean, it's food, and, and they would be thankful if you don't have anything else. That's what you're going to eat. But yeah. I think, though, the um, just as, you know, we've been, uh, we've said this a couple times on different podcasts, is to assume the best in people. Right. And so I think even with that expired food that, I, you yeah. know, um, that's over there, um, I think people had the right heart. Yeah. I don't think they went, oh, this is expired. No. You know, um, so I'm going to give this. I think people honestly maybe didn't know it was expired. Yeah. And just grabbed stuff out of their cabinet. Right. Um, I know I try, I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. Because, hey. I mean, we're all we're all honestly doing our best. And, right. But I think when it, I think when we talk about poor people or we talk about that kind of stuff, we automatically assume this, like, uneducated part to it or, like, um, well, you know, they got themselves into this, you know, yeah. and, um, and I think that's a wrong attitude to have. I right. think, you know, the truth is that what we learned through all of this is we're all really one paycheck away from losing it all. Yeah. Um, or just one bad situation, one right. death in the family, one. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think to just assume those things or that they're, they're inept. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's wrong and we need to change our, our perspective on that. Yeah. Um, we know we talked about we had a I had a summer intern last year, mm-hmm. um, and she had received her first paycheck. Right. Um, and she looked at me and went, "I don't know what to do with this." Yeah. <laughs> and I went, "What do you mean?" And she went, "I don't. What do What do I do with this?" And I said, "Oh, you just go to the bank and you put it in your account." And she went, "I don't have a bank account." Yep. You know, she's sixteen. Yeah. This is her first job, um, and so I said, "Oh." And so then I took her over to the bank that, you know, the check is issued, yeah. issued from, essentially. And I said, you can always bring it here. You can cash it. And there's no charge to it. You just have to bring your school ID. You might have to bring your mom because you're yeah. 16, whatever. Um, and she was like, oh, this is how. And she, oh, she, and she said, she said, like, this is how white people must do it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah. This is because there's a, a check change place not too far from here um, that she could have gone to. I think they, there's obviously a little bit of a charge to right. um, change it there, but but it was just an interesting thing. Like I didn't even think to send her over there because how do I catch yeah. my stuff? You know, I go to the bank, um, and so it's not that she just you know didn't know the system that we that we work in, but she knew the system here. Right. And I didn't know that. Did system. we talk about this on the last podcast? I, I feel like we may have talked I, about it. I don't know that we did. But I grew up. My family didn't have a bank account either, yeah. and that was the same thing. I didn't have my own checking account till right before I got married, and Matt had to help me open it. 
I didn't grow up that way. My parents didn't trust banks or, mm. or whatever, and they would cash their checks at, like, grocery stores or check-cashing places. Uh, I had no idea. I mean, I knew that people had banks and bank accounts and blah, 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 but it was so intimidating to me, having grown up the way that I grew up, to even try to do that. I just assumed I wouldn't have what I needed. I didn't mm. want to embarrass myself yeah. by walking in and not having what I needed to open an account, and so Matt had to help me. And um, I overheard... A conversation between two people talking about how someone didn't know how to write a check. I've never written a check yeah. um, in my life. I've never had to write a check. People ask how I like paid rent and stuff. And now, I had a college education before I got married. So it has nothing to do with whether right. I had a college education. I was educated. But education is a spectrum. Yeah. So, like, I was educated... As communications major, like blah blah blah, but no one taught me how to write a check or do banking or or any of these basic things. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It wasn't a, a matter of not applying myself. Anyway, I heard two people talking about how someone didn't know how to write a check and how inept they were. Yeah. And normally, I like let that stuff slide because a lot of times people talk about the poor in front of me, not realizing that they're talking about me. Yeah. You know, there, there's there's a way that people sort of talk about... And, and if I said anything, they'd be like, oh, well, we don't mean people like you. But you do mean people like right. me. Like, that's how I grew up. That's the kid that I was. Like, um, so actually, you sort of are. Um, but this, this instance I did, and I was like, well, I've never written a check. And they were, like, shocked. And I said, I never had to, and I just didn't grow up. And so you've taught your children how to do it, which is why they're not inept. Like, you've taught your children. Inept is a terrible word. That's why yeah. I'm, ugh. Um, but I was like, this is why you know. Or your parents taught you how to do this. Somebody taught you how to do it. And if your people didn't know how to do it, nobody would have taught you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Are you inept? No. You just don't know how to do one thing. Like, yeah. that is not it. Yeah, I think one thing that we can really walk away from uh, all of this just knowing is that um, there's so much that everyone still has to learn about. Totally. About each other. We, we need to learn. There's so much culture that we need to know. There's so much, um, so much that we need to learn from one another. Um, and, and I think if we come in with that posture too, even yeah. if we're giving at a food bank or if we're donating right. to, you know, relief stuff, realizing that I have so much still to learn. But that humility, I think that that's super important. Right. Well, and, and again, this is one of those collective things that we're going through. Um, and it's a good time to sort of learn mm-hmm. how we communicate yeah. um, our theology of poverty. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's a good thing to learn sort of how we... And so, so again, like you said, I don't think anybody's donating to the food pantry going... I mean, that's not true. Some people are going, I'm just going to get rid of whatever I do, like, want to get rid of. It makes me feel good. Like, I donated. Like, that's for sure a thing for some people. I don't think that that's the most common attitude that people have about donating or giving. We were even talking about, so we were giving out these care packages with this stuff, and we were using plastic bags to do it. Yeah. But, you know, after one or two trips, I just... You know, I asked my boss, I said, can we buy banker's boxes or just get, you know, paper boxes or whatever? It just looks so much better because these yeah. bags are falling apart. Things are kind of spilling out of it. And it just, right. it just looks, this is a reusable thing that they can use for whatever, whatever it may be. Right. You know, um, even if it's just for the kid to color on. Right. And it has just changed. It was, was like, this was the smartest thing because... It, it, there's almost like a dignity to it too like yeah. oh I didn't here's just all here's this the most stuff junky thing that's falling apart you know here's actually a box that is brand new yeah you know we put stuff in it for you and your family right you know um, so yeah it just even changes changing how we're even presenting some of this right so I remember um, someone told me once they grew up in Lafayette Lafayette <laughs> I knew you were going to say it <laughs> so I just like waited um <laughs> And how their experience, like he had worked at a grocery store and his experience was that people would fall over themselves to help people like, like who are obviously wealthy to their cars, to like put mm-hmm. stuff in their cars and this and that. But when you had someone who was like obviously impoverished or disabled or something, people weren't as willing. And so really? it's interesting too, the way we sort of are more willing to help people who don't need it. Um, than people who are. Now, I think that there are a lot of reasons why. I, I can be that way, too. Um, sometimes I worry about how deep I'm going to get into a situation if I help 
yeah. somebody who I think really needs it. Like, if you're trying to help somebody who doesn't really need you, there's a little safety net in that. Oh, yeah, because you can do this one time, and they'll never ask again for it. Because they don't really need you. Right. And it makes you feel good, and it's a whole thing. But, like, people who actually need help are more avoided because we, we don't know how much more they're going to need from us. Yeah. Or maybe we don't want to witness um, their needs because sometimes we even, be, like, bearing witness... Mm-hmm. to someone's needs makes that thing stir up inside well, of becomes, us where we go. It becomes inconvenient for us because right. we have to either give up our time yep. or our energy or sometimes our own money when someone really needs help. And, yeah. you know, I think we've talked about this before yeah. too. Just, you know. Well, we were even talking about it a little earlier. Like mm-hmm. this idea of how good theology, like the reason bad theology is so prevalent is because it, it costs, doesn't cost you it costs anything. You nothing, yeah. But good theology costs you something. And so yeah. like if you have a good like theology of poverty, it's going to cost you something. You actually have to do something about mm-hmm. it. If you maintain the theology of people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and just work harder. And if they just worked harder than this, you know, this yeah. and that, that's a real faulty yeah. situation. Cause like you said, that's not always well, like, how this works. You know, like you said too, you know, Matt Bean losing his job. Yeah. He's a hard worker. Yep. And yet this happened to him where yeah. with that, bad theology of pull yourself up by the bootstraps, work really hard and everything will come your way. It's not working right now. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, I mean, I have friends who've been laid off who are super hard workers, yep. you know, who pulled themselves out of, you know, out of some situations, family situations, yeah. um, community situations, you know, and have really changed the trajectory of their lives. And yeah. here they are now. Dude. Without a job. You know? Well, I've even had that situation where, you know, because I did grow up poor and got myself into college did the college thing, got a good job. People go, well, she can do it. Anybody can do it. That is just not the case. Yeah. I had a lot going for me, honestly, besides, I mean, I don't mean that like in a haughty way. I mean, I had adults who poured into me, um, who believed in me, who gave me opportunities to learn things. I, um, my personality, I'm talkative and, and, outgoing well I'm not outgoing I'm outgoing I'm not I'm an introvert but I can be talkative yeah um and you also just has you have a face like we said earlier that's like yeah come and talk to me and tell me your whole story I have the face of like go away from me yeah Liz (laughs) people always think I'm mad um rbf and I don't like people see me and they're like I'm gonna tell that girl my whole life story today we're gonna be best friends and then we're going to exchange phone numbers. And then we're going to have coffee together. We're going to braid each other's hair. And yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Elf. Yeah. And then we're going to have a snowball fight. And then we're going to... Which sometimes is fun. And other times I'm like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually an introvert. Um, but I, I just have like a friendly demeanor. Um, not that I was like... Like I was just born that way. That's just who I am. And so it's lended itself to giving me more opportunities than I would normally, or that somebody might normally have. Um, so I sometimes have to fight those things, even when people recognize them in me, because not everybody's that way. You have people who are very shy. You have people who have like real mental health things yeah. where, you know, I have some mental health stuff, but it's very easy for me to hide. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you're really close to me. Like I had a panic attack Yeah. in front of you two weeks ago. Yeah. And we sat and played Mario Kart until it passed. I, I paced a little bit. You did. And I was like, I'm usually the one that paces. <laughs> I know. You were like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't stop moving. Yeah. Like, that's my thing. Um, but so we played Baby Park. We did. Baby Park is my favorite um, Mario Kart race. It's crazy. Anyway. That one's hard. Um, some people have, like, depression and other other mental health things that... You know, if you don't have it, you don't really understand how invasive and intrusive um, depressive thoughts are, how invasive and intrusive anxiety can be. And so when you haven't been in someone's shoes, it's very easy to say, you know, they should be doing this or they should do this or they should just apply themselves more and they can get out of this or whatever. Or even as people in ministry, oh, they, they, you know, they just need more faith. Oh. More faith in God will, will help this. And it's like, no, that's not always... That's how it works. <laughs> well, and, and you even see right now that bad theology can be deadly. There was this yeah. pastor who kept his church open. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I want to preserve the human dignity of people because I am the person who will always say, like, don't reduce people to their worst mistake because it's unhelpful. Um, but this pastor 
basically said, people get healed here, people don't die here, I'm keeping the doors open, I'll have to be in jail or dead um, before I stop. And then he, he died. got corona and died. And here, like, exposed an entire congregation of people who were following him. That's poor theology. Now, not that God can't heal us, not that, you know, but God yeah. also gave us wisdom. We have professionals who are saying... Stay home. Guys, stay home. Like, be careful. <laughs> yeah. Don't... Um, don't put yourselves at risk. And we even have a church in Lodi mm-hmm. that is trying to continue to meet. I think they finally got locked out, but they're like suing the government yeah. um, because they really believe that what's happening is, is violating their rights as Christians. Why have we made freedom such an idol? Yeah. You know, th- there's some deep theological reasons why people feel persecuted mm-hmm. and it is faulty. Yeah. I mean, it's, it goes even, you know, think of a few years ago. We've, I think I've used this example before, too, of, you know, Christians were all up in arms because Starbucks changed the oh color of their Christmas cups. <laughs> from and from we were, snowmen and deer. And it was just, <laughs> like, the, we're being persecuted. No, guys, we're not. You can choose not to come to Starbucks, but guess what? We all choose to continue going to Starbucks. Yeah, we do. You know, this is not persecution. It's sugar lines for us. Well, that was nice. That was kind of nice. Yeah. No, it, but when you fake persecution, yeah. you that is a slap in the face for Christians all around the world who really are an actual danger. Well, it's even like practicing Ka- Kai faith. sharing a few weeks ago about yeah. her friend uh, in India yeah. who's like, was beaten to death like, yeah. th- for being a Christian. Like, that's real persecution. My Starbucks cup, color changing. Not real persecution. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes me think that Christians want to feel persecuted in order f- to feel like their faith is relevant. Mm. Um, I, that's I, a topic for another day. That's a whole... <laughs> uh, there are so many right now, like, especially all of the, like, end times. Oh, people. Yeah. Again, so, some things bring out really great things. Some things bring out really poor theology. Yeah. I'm hoping that at least the, the theology of poverty will improve because we're all sort of in a situation where yeah. things are, um, you know, where... Facing a recession, everyone's accepting these stimulus checks. Like no one's going, mm, not socialism. <laughs> I don't want to take that right. check. Like, but I think one thing to that I'm just trying to keep in mind is just looking at the positive things. I mean, yeah. the, the chalk art that you see around town Dude, is really so cool. cool. Um, I think the you know people are drawing out little like obstacle courses on the ground. My niece, someone did it in there where they live, and she runs to that every day when they go check the so mail. So cute, you know, so she can practice. Yep. Um, I think stuff like that is how I want to remember this right. guy. Um, and I think those with the faulty theology are kind of putting a, a are tainting this, especially oh. for Christians who are trying to come together. Totally. And so, um, could this be the end times? I, I guess it could, it could be. <laughs> sure. I'm not going to say no, right. um, but I'm not going to stop doing and believing and helping people and just sit you know, and just... Yeah. And just, you know, curl up in a ball, you know, waiting oh. in panic because there's, I'm still here. Right. The end isn't here yet and there's still stuff to do. So well, let's my do it. hope is that people recognize their own bad theology through this. Yeah. You know, when these crazy prediction things that they're believing don't come true, when I like, like, I hope that it's challenging people to be thinkers. You and I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much temptation in the Christian evangelical sphere to follow whoever has the biggest personality and to tr- sort of hang on their words. Yeah. Which, you know, if you have a good leader, it's still unhealthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you yeah. have a good leader, it's still you still want to think for yourself because good leaders become unhealthy leaders sometimes. And even good leaders have some screwed up theology. Now, when I even say messed up theology, I have my own, like, bad theology. Right. That- so do I. I have things that I... That I cling to, that I and as, and as I go through this kind of season, I just go, why am I clinging so hard to yeah. this? It's not even like a thing, dude. <laughs> I need like, to let it go. Like one thing Matt and I talk about a lot is how I'm afraid to get excited about things because I am convinced that if I get excited about something, that it's some sort of idol, and that God's gonna take it from me so that way I won't worship an idol. Like, and it is so deeply in- now. I know that's not true, right? But I won't say it doesn't influence what I do because it 100% does. So yeah. I'm not even saying that from like a negative or, or like a judgmental. We all have faulty theology. Oh, I just absolutely. think that there are some things like, you know, prosperity gospel. 
issues. Like, especially in this time. Yeah. Right now. Well, guys, what did you do to cause this? Like, obviously, you did something to cause yeah. the entire, you know, world shut down. world. Like, you know, if, if we're going to believe in this, like, Christian karma thing where, you know, we. Which we do not believe in, by the way. No. But, I mean, I do believe that you reap what you sow. But that's yeah. real different well, than. Well, that's like. That's the same as saying there's consequences to your actions. Right. <laughs> like, I don't believe that karma is a thing. But but there's some theology that I think needs to, bad theology that needs to die. Um, theology about dispensationalism. Um, theology um, of poverty. Theology of a lot of, like, like does God do this to us? Mm. Like, the theology of disease. Like, did God yeah. give, like give us all corona or is this part of just living in a world that's very broken that's fallen and broken and right do i know better than people who are educated because that's a big thing right now is i have a lot of friends i actually deleted someone on facebook today Mm. i know i never do that but they just constantly spread like dangerous information you know it's one thing when someone you know sends some stupid chain letter (laughs) you know but it was this whole thing about you know corona and how we need to all break social distance um in order to expose ourselves and and at some point like y'all are sprouting some stuff and one of the reasons she said that we think we should she thinks we should break social distance is so we can worship together again when you start co-opting the faith with like yeah stuff like that that actually puts people in danger because my belief is that in any situation, my job as a Christian is to take into consideration those who are most affected by things. Mm-hmm. And so, one, young people are dying. People without, you know. Well, even, you know, I got a call today from <laughs> Kaiser. Uh-huh. Um, because, I, like, looking at me, you wouldn't know this, but I'm actually in, like, the at-risk population too, yeah. because of my asthma. Do you have to have a phone appointment? Uh, they're encouraging me. To Matt does too, yeah. Um, <laughs> because I, I, if we were to all suddenly gather mm-hmm. together, I am, I am at a very high risk of, of getting this. Well, so, and, and having complications from it because you have asthma. a lot of complications. Same. Like, so I'm immunocompromised. Um, and I had somebody like, sort of make a joke. Like they were around a sick family member and they came around me cool. and then didn't tell me until afterwards um, because they quote unquote didn't want me to freak out. And I was like, well, it's not about freaking out. I'm literally immune compromised. And yeah. so, and they were like, oh, we didn't realize. Well, that's why you don't act like a jerk. Like, like yeah. this is why we don't do that. Um, but part of being a Christian is taking people on the margins, people the mo- most affected. And so for me, in this situation, people most affected in negative ways are the elderly, mm-hmm. um, the immunocompromised, and the poor who might not have access to um, things like face masks, hand sanitizer, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. We, every house we've gone to, that's like the thing they've asked for is hand sanitizer because no one can find it anywhere. Right. And I'm, and we've searched high and low. We've well, tried to order it. Just can't. We just can't. It's unavailable. You right. Know? Well, then you see some judgment too, where people are going, "Oh, well, that person's using public transportation and not practicing social distance, or that person's not wearing a mask." But if you want to talk about the poor. Mm-hmm. Poor people don't always have the same access that you do. Like, right. maybe they have to take public transportation with no mask and no hand sanitizer because they don't have a choice and they yeah. still need to buy groceries. And so, Or they still you, need to go to work or, or, or y'all can y'all can judge them for doing this, but you're going to judge them when they're not feeding their kids, too. You're going to judge them when their kids don't yeah. have diapers. You're going to judge them when, like, like, we have to realize that there are reasons why people are, quote, unquote, breaking the protocol. And sometimes it's simply because of access so when you're placing those people on the margins into your center focus and you're making your decisions based on that that's the way of the lord you know that that, that's what we're supposed to do it's supposed to be how do we treat the least of these Mm -hmm. among us um yeah there there are so many things and so i think i think we're doing an okay job i think we are doing the best we can i think that we're going to come out of this and even years after, you know, years after and we study this, I think there's going to be things that we've learned. And I think with this, with that humility part of it, we can walk out of this better people. Yeah. Um, with better, with a better grasp of the world around us. As long as we're open to that. Right. You know, what like I said, with that humility, knowing right. I don't have all the answers, you don't have all the answers, but right. maybe together we can learn something from one another. Right. I think that there can be a collective learning yeah. in the midst of the collective That's trauma. Yeah. 
Ooh. Like a cure communications major Quote. or something. <laughs> Quote Hashtag. Tree. Hashtag good theology. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's that humility. <laughs> no, I I have such broke it again, all of this challenges me. Yeah. Because even, you know, I don't judge the poor as much, but I judge the rich a lot. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. really, that's what you're choosing to do with your money. Or that's what you're choosing to do. Um, again, because I came from such an opposite See, and for spectrum. Me, for me, it, I can catch myself in both spectrums because yeah. I work with the poor. Right. But, I mean, we didn't. I didn't grow up rich. Right. But um, I grew up with what I needed, and yeah. my parents provided, you know, did an right. awesome job. And so I can sit there and go wait, what are you doing with it? Wait, why are you doing this? You know, and, right. and so I have to really catch myself and go, why am, why do I even really have this problem with this person? Like yeah. with what they're doing as, what is it telling, what is it telling me about me right now instead yeah. of them? Anyway. One thing I constantly pray for is that God can fix me in moments mm-hmm. when I'm being judgmental. Yeah. And so if I see some walking down the street and I want to judge them, if I blah, 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 I like, I really, really try to let God convict me in the moment to correct me. And so sometimes it's even like a, a negative thought that I have. Um, yeah. About specifically strangers um, where you just make those like snap judgments yeah. or you're like, you know, why are these kids are out? Where are their parents? Or, you know, you know things yeah, like yeah. that where I go, wait, like maybe their parents are working full time or maybe it's a single mom or maybe it's, you know, it, yeah. and, and I catch myself now actually stopping myself and yeah. thinking, about things in a way um, where my opinions might be convicted. Now, that's not like a, I'm so great. That's a, I'm so judgmental that it was a problem. And I had to like learn how to get corrected. <laughs> well, one of the things I've just been praying over the last, probably the last six months, I find myself praying this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, even to start the day or if even I'm asked to like pray at work or whatever is it in the book of James, it talks about that God gives you wisdom if you ask for it. Right. And so, every, like, it just seems to be the thing that I that I pray for. Like, God, give me wisdom. I'm asking for it. And you say you'll give it to me. And I just find that if I do that and I have, just have that mindset even, it's like I can take a breath before I have to respond. Right. Or I can, you know, I can take a minute to think about it and, and process it before yeah. I, I just make a snap decision. Um, but, yeah, I think... I'm not saying I'm super wise, by the way. That's no. why I have to ask for it every day. But, but that's <laughs> but that's what goes back to like the humility of the situation is. In order to ask for wisdom, you have to admit that yeah. you're not wise. Right. Like right. I don't know everything about this situation, um, and and it's very tempting in a situation right now for there to be like a lot of opinions yeah. about how the government should be doing things, how this person should be doing things, how we should be doing things, and honestly. Our opinions mean very little. Yeah. Um, and we have to be so careful not to fall into the trap of, well, you know, that person's an expert, but I think we should. Because right. it's really not fruitful, and, and it causes a lot of division. That person has a doctor degree. and A doctor like, degree? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, specializes in right. infectious diseases. But, but I, I think... With my Bible degree, think of this. <laughs> you know, I mean... Right. Stay in your lane. Sometimes that's just kind of, you know, do your research. Right. But there are professionals and and stuff, and they're smart. <laughs> There's this thing called the scientific method. <laughs> now, there are questions, and we call those questions hypothesis. Yeah. We think that maybe this plus this equals this. We have to be really careful that we don't just say, oh, this person questioned this, so it's true. Like, Let's just be honest here. You are the reason that this we have this whole coronavirus because you didn't send that chain letter, chain letter that you got on Facebook. That's not why. It's because I didn't why? I didn't type amen. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a, there's a thing on Twitter right now. It's like, what did you do to cause the coronavirus? And it's everyone's like accomplishments. People were like, got a book contract, like got a new job, had a baby, like, like all the things. Like, yeah. like things couldn't just be good, but... Um, yeah, it, uh, what a crazy time. Yeah, like I said, when we started, who would have thought this is how 2020 would be? I could not have imagined. And can I just say this, too? Yeah. I really miss sports. Okay. I, I, I don't get melancholy about a lot of things, but I love baseball. I love basketball. The ESPN they, had a spelling bee on the other day. They had played horse the other day, the NBA players. It's kind of cool. Um, like 
via Zoom or something. And the Olympics are gone. I mean, I'm just, I'm yeah. just really sad because those are things that I really look forward to. And um, even I've had this discussion about how we sort of both operate in a way that like lives for the next thing to anticipate. So yeah. for me, like the anticipation of something good is almost as good as as yeah. the thing. Um, and one of the ways that I've been grieving, and I think you've been grieving too, is that um, the anticipation of things have, has died. Yeah. You don't want to hold your hopes up for baseball season because it might not happen. In yeah. fact, I'd kind of be surprised at this point. <laughs> don't if we say got, that. I know. I don't, want to, I don't want to believe it. I'm trying to mentally prepare myself or emotionally prepare myself to not have um, ace baseball this year. No ace. No ace. Um, but, yeah, like we were supposed to go to Chicago. Yeah. I put my um, – I tweeted this the other day. But I didn't tell you this. I had ordered new carry-on luggage. I don't fly very often, so I don't have carry-on luggage. But I ordered carry-on luggage and a couple of things. And I just, like, had it out. And I finally, like, put it away. Huh. And I got, like, emotional because I was looking forward to this trip. Yeah. Like, we were going to go do something that was going to be fun. We were going to do this learning thing, which was going to be awesome. Um, but there's a lot of grief. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's so... Grief is also a spectrum, mm-hmm. and so it's hard because part of you feels guilty for grieving. No one I know has died um, or has been sick enough to be hospitalized. Like, I'm safe. My family is safe. Like, Matt was laid off, but we're okay financially. Like, you know, there are things yeah. that are good. Um, so saying that, you, that you're grieving almost sounds petty, but it's not. Like, yeah. like we're all sort of grieving um, a lot of lost things. I think of like all the seniors I got to do, um, kind of cool. I got to do a photo shoot for, um, a friend's daughter who just, who got into college. She doesn't get to have a graduation now, like mm-hmm. all of these things, but it, it was yeah. a little joy that was contagious for me. Yeah. Um, I got to be in the presence of someone who's excited about something for the future. Whereas mm-hmm. I don't really have anything to be excited about. Right now. Yeah. Well, we had talked about too, um, some of the students I work with, um, one of them is graduating from high school, and some of them are promoting into seventh grade. And we, at the, if any of this gets lifted yeah. in like May to do a little photo shoot and like yeah. some kind of promotion graduation. graduation for them, just you know to celebrate them and well, especially kids in your context, like this yeah. might be a kid who, who this is the first one who first graduated one high to graduate school. from high school. Yeah, and like that's such a big deal, and yeah. so to not commemorate that would just be tragic. I was messaging with him on Instagram, and he was like, "I kind of want to fail." So that way I can go no. back to high school next yeah. year so I can graduate. And I right. was like, that's really sad, but that is a terrible reason to fail. Yeah. Don't, do, Don't that. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but everyone's sort of feeling that, that yeah. grief of, of things that they've lost. And, mm-hmm. you know, some more, of course, than others. Yeah. But, yeah, I think there's a bit of, oh, like, you can put, I can put my head down and work and yeah. work and work for so a while. I. I mean, we talked about yeah. this. I had some assignments <laughs> yeah. due um, for some classes I'm taking. And uh, I hadn't done any of the homework for it because I've just, I just been busy and just trying to figure out yeah. life. And I sat down and did six of the eight assignments yesterday because I just clicked into, like, work right. mode. And yeah. I tend to be, especially if it's computer work and thinking and, yeah. you know, typing, you know, making flyers and all that stuff for a class, I can be very efficient. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I guess I should have made that last a little bit longer, you know, <laughs> done with that class. Right. So. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of... Um, that stuff, like, I, I'm just looking forward to being able to, like, go away for a day or two. That's yeah. something Matt and I do a lot, and so um, being stuck at home has been hard. But I do think that eventually this is going to end, and it's going to be history. But if we let it pass without learning anything, then we have um, not done this time justice. Yeah. So I don't like the whole, like, be productive, you know, be right. too, too productive, like, BS is annoying because everybody's sort of going to cope in the way that they need to cope and that's okay right now. One of the ways, you know, I find myself coping is I'm working out every day. My gym is doing workouts, you know, free workouts four times a day live. And that's just been probably one of the greatest things for me. Just, you know, I'm not necessarily stuck at home in my apartment, but I'm very careful about what I'm doing, who I'm seeing and that kind of stuff. But having that little bit of normal, um, man, it has... I don't know where mentally where I would be if right. I wasn't doing that every day. Right. And for some people, getting up and surviving. Yeah. And going to bed. That's it. And that's and that's okay. That works for them. Like, yeah. do you gotta do you in this right. time? Right. Um, yeah, Matt's the same way. Like he he has like this little workout routine. Talks about his hobby time. <laughs> <laughs> I am working more than I've ever worked. Um, yeah. <laughs> because my jobs just require a little mm-hmm. more of me right now. 
um, which is probably being good for my mental health because I don't have all day to sit in front of the news. I don't have all day yeah. to... Yeah, guys, turn get, off the news. I don't even get Ugh. real channels here. I've tried. Don't try. Well, because I wanted to news. watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're my favorite. <laughs> anyway, that's all I have. It was yeah. just a rambly talk about... Different things, but it's, we'll get back into the swing of this. We you have will. somebody who wants to be on our podcast. Yeah, next week. My friend Jeremiah is going to be on yeah. the podcast. I vocally met him today. You did. <laughs> yeah, he's a cool dude. I think it'll be I'm excited for um, that. Awesome. And it'll be nice to have a guest. So um, Jeremiah and I had a Zoom date. That sounded weird. That sounded I mean, weird. like a date. That sounded We're weird. both married. I mean, like, we Zoomed. That sounded yeah. weird, though. I don't know. We had a Zoom meeting, but there that sounds go. too formal. We hung out on Zoom. There you go. There, yeah, yeah. Um, Google has Hangouts, too. <laughs> TM. <laughs> um, but he said, oh, I get it now. And I said, what do you get? And he goes, when you guys podcast, there's so many rabbit trails. But now talking to you, I realize it's you. <laughs> I was like, it's totally true. That's accurate. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Good to talk with you guys again. It was good to be here. We tried to record another podcast. We did. Didn't was it out. last week we tried? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Ooh. This one was way better. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't post that other one. No, it was so bad. <laughs> so, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. All right. It's been real. Bye. Bye.